Welcome into another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, Making Room for the Homeless, the Busby Center downtown has a plan to expand but needs some help financially to do that. We'll hear about the plan and how you can help. Gearing up for another Gussapalooza music festival in Cookstown. Guess what? We'll bring you up to speed. And you go to bed at night wondering if your car will still be in the driveway the next morning. You're not alone. A CAA survey finds nearly half of Ontarians are losing sleep over this. We get some tips on how to make it harder for thieves to steal your ride. But first, no quick cure for homelessness, but the Busby Centre is trying. Looking to expand its capacity by purchasing a building next door to its current location on Mulcaster Street. Not the be-all and end-all, and they are going to need some help to pull it off. Barry 360's Ian McLennan caught up with Busby's Executive Director Sarah Peddle outside the Centre. Tell us about this capital campaign and, um, you know, what, what you're trying to achieve. So we're, we're looking to expand services uh, within the downtown. So we're, we are purchasing 8890 Mulcaster so that uh, we can take our 7,000 square feet that we've been operating in for some time and, and overcrowding in uh, to 17,000 square feet so we can create uh, better services for people, more efficient services and more dignifying services. So we can have uh, different partners that are already visiting with us where we're, we're having to kind of take parts of our drop-in centre and we can actually give them space to meet with people in an appropriate way. And this building is right next door to the current Busby Centre. What sort of factors uh, came into play that you know, Busby had to, you as executive director said, we need more space. So we knew that through the pan- pandemic, we were, were seeing more and more people, but just in general, you know, the housing market is definitely challenging um, and in- income insecurities are, are definitely not meeting the needs. So there's more and more people entering into homelessness right now. So uh, until we, we actually find that solution of, of getting people housed, we know that there's services like ours that are needed. So when as we've been going through each day and, you know, there's more and more people in here and we're having to turn away people at night, uh, we realized that we needed to do something and and we needed to respond, uh, especially during the evenings and during the day for uh, day services as well. What's missing at the current Busby Centre that when you get this new, um, new location, you'll be able to do and grow upon? Space. Space is the big thing. You know, again, uh, within the space right now, we're, we're using uh, our drop-in centre and then in the in the evening we turn that into an overnight accommodation with cots and stuff where, where with this space we'll actually be able to have private offices for people. Um, we have a variety of different services that come now and now we can actually give them space where they can meet with people privately. We can, you know, uh, extend those services. We can extend our bed services to make sure that there's more beds because we're turning away, you know, roughly five to ten people a night, if not more, um, because there's just not enough shelter beds in our community. And who are the current owners of the uh, the facility next door? We are very fortunate that our current landlords and, and the owners of the property are Canadian Mental Health Association. So it's definitely, you know, a, a win-win and a collaboration for both our, our organizations. Uh, we, we ventured into this many years ago to, to come to this location and now they need more space and we need more space. So this allows them to go in and find more adequate space as well. But the partnership continues. They'll still have staff here as well. And in terms of dollars and cents, how much you're looking to raise and uh, how are you in terms of, you know, reaching out to the community? 
So we are trying to raise $2.2 million. So that will help us to make sure that we have the financing to, to close the deal and get the space as well as just get some renovations done and, you know, continue with that operating. So we were really hope, hopeful that the community will uh, come together to help support this because there are many, many people in need right now. And we want to be able to, to provide better services moving forward. And if people want more information, they can go to what website? Yep, www.busbycenter.ca. Mark it on your calendar, weekend of September 15th, 16th, 17th, Gussapalooza at the Georgian Bay Steam Show Grounds in Cookstown, a chance for emerging artists to showcase their stuff, the second year for the festival in Cookstown, but it goes back to meager beginnings in 2016. Valerie Robson is one of the creators of the festival. She shares the background and who to watch for this year with Rachel Detta from our partners at Rock 95. Gussapalooza kind of started off as a backyard thing. So was it like just a couple guys being like, hey, let's have a battle of bands with a bunch of buddies? Is that how it got started? Yeah, so it was actually my husband who's, who started it originally. Um, and he's a musician himself. And so he kind of came back home and realized there was nothing really kind of like going on in the area for independent musicians. Um, so he started it and so many bands showed up that it lasted three days. It was kind of like a party. Um, and so from that point forward, everyone's like, hey, are you doing that thing again? Kind of thing. And uh, so it kind of just naturally grew into what it is today. More bands kept messaging, messaging, messaging. And this year we had over a thousand submissions from all over North America. So we had, you know, like people from L.A. and Las Vegas and Nashville and Florida. And like, we're like, wow, our little festival's really gotten out there. So how do you whittle it down from thousands of applications to the set of artists that you chose? We have a, a panel that helps us this year because a thousand submissions, you can imagine, would be a lot for two a people lot. to go through. Yeah. Um, so we do have some help this year. Uh, so we kind of just made a good old spreadsheet and, you know, like, um, we look at different things, not just following, but really talent. Uh, we look at a lot of live performances so we can actually see the raw talent not produced. Um, and really we just go from there. Like it's just, it's, uh, it's the way the music makes us feel, how, what other, our, you know, our panel thinks about it and, uh, yeah, really just looking for that raw talent. Absolutely. And it's really fun because we even get a chance here to talk to some of the winners and they all talk about how exciting and what an experience is for them to also see their peers also. And just knowing that after you watch all these other great musicians perform, they win. But like for these artists, after they win this whole entire weekend, it's almost career changing. Yeah, for sure. That's one thing that we uh, started last year was the Gus Blizzard Music Awards. And so we did our, our top three winners last year, uh, the Human Drive, Shoemaker Levy, and Francesca Panetta. Those ones kind of rose above. Um, and it's not only just fan, fan voting, that's part of it, but it's also us looking at a lot of other aspects as well. Um, and really, like with Gus Blues, we're trying to build a community. So even that's one of the things that we look at is how are they supporting uh, other independent artists in this community because we're all in this together. And uh, it really, it's, our intent is to keep building these packages that we can give them year after year and to really launch these artists to the next level after they leave. Awesome. And I'm a constant goer, haven't been to Gusapalooza yet. I walk into the massive venue. What am I going to see? What can I expect? So we've got three stages. Uh, we've got the two SL100 mobile stages that we have in the concert field and they kind of go off like a shotgun. So it's like boom, 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 boom. Like as soon as music stops on one stage, the next one's going, it's going. Um, and then we have a massive barn that has our acoustic stage in it. And that's uh, strictly for acoustic performances. There is comedy. Uh, we have comedy hour. This year it's going to be late night comedy, Friday and Saturday night from 11 till 12. Um, and really there's just, there's vendors, there's food, there's local, you know, local artisans, local businesses, 
Uh, we've got games. We've got escape rooms this year, mobile escape rooms this year. Um, really just a good time. So like mobile escape rooms like that, is there anything else on top of that for this year that you're adding on that you're really excited and maybe more people need to know about? You want to be shouting it from the rooftops? So we've added a couple different aspects this year. So we've added, um, one is our seminars. For, that's for the independent musicians. Uh, there's a lot of really cool industry professionals coming out and, and speaking to really help these musicians launch their career. Uh, the other is the creators convention. So we're offering discounts and even free tickets for creators to come out, showcase their work. Whether you're a live painter, dancer, uh, YouTube, you know, you got a YouTube channel, whatever. We want everybody in the same place at the same time. Um, and the film contest, we've added a film contest as well this year. So that's really cool. There's different different categories, such as artist interviews, uh, performances. They can kind of pick which film they want to do. Um, and then we've got some really cool judges uh, this year who've won Junos and that kind of thing that are going to be helping us assess those videos. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's another really cool thing. And so for all these seminars and stuff, like you said, you don't need to be a part of the festival. You don't need to be competing in any way. You can nope. just show up and just expand on your craft. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. We really want to build that community of creators as a whole. It's not just musicians. It takes artists. It takes filmmakers. It takes all of these things for musicians to be able to put out albums. So mm -hmm. it's really bringing everybody together. So who on the docket, who on this set list that you have coming are you a little excited? I know you're not supposed to show biased because it is a contest, but what are the names that you're like, okay, these are some people we're excited to see. So obviously our, our headliners are, are the ones, uh, the Human Drive, they were, in, they were in last year. Great guys, so much fun. Yeah, and uh, Shoemaker Levy, they're, they're another really awesome band. They're kind of like reminiscent of like the hip with their own, their own thing to it. Uh, Francesca Panetta, she's uh, out of Thornton. She's a singer-songwriter, and she's just... Let me tell you, that girl's going places. Um, other than that, Fortunate Losers, they just played uh, downtown at Kempen Fest for Finger 11. Dropped up alibi. Like I said, it's, it's so hard because I feel like many of the bands are listening. They're like, oh, what about us? What about like, Yeah, they're all amazing, which is why they're on there because we've all hit, we've handpicked every single one of them. So how many bands did you pick for this year? So we have 43 that are on the official lineup. And then we also have a Rebel stage, which is an after-hour stage. And we've invited bands to come out. That's where like anybody can play. Party goes to like 5, 6 in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's a great time. Um, and so there'll be some additional bands playing there as well. Awesome. And if any bands want to be a part of that, how can they go about it? So they can send an email to bands at And for any artists or bands, we are offering them discounts to come out, check it out, take part of the seminars this year, and just really get a feel for the festival. We, we love to meet them all anyways. Exactly. The ones that it helps us for next year as well. Exactly. And you also get to give them that leg up into the music industry. Okay. So let's do it. What dates? What's the weekend we need to be in Cookstown for Gustapalooza? September 15th to 17th at Georgia Bay Steam Showgrounds. Gates open at 3 p.m. And any additional information can be found at gustapalooza.com. Any social media hashtags you want to pass along? Uh, everything is at Gustapalooza, all social media. And hashtags are where you see them first and Gustapalooza. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry360. I'm Dan Blakely. Do you worry about car theft? Not thefts from your car, but the theft of your car. More and more Ontarians are, and with good reason. A car is stolen every 48 minutes in Ontario, and not just high-end or SUV-type vehicles. Our Ian McLennan is back, this time with Elliot Silverstein, a director with CAA Insurance, with results of a survey on car thefts and tips to help keep it from happening to you. CAA has released a survey that shows Ontarians increasingly concerned with the rise in auto theft, in particular GTA, and I imagine that would um, filter up through the Barrie area. What do, what do those findings show? So what we saw in our survey is that nearly half of Ontarians uh, identified that they feel that vehicle theft is an, is an issue in the province. What was most telling is that 
just about 30% actually said they're concerned about their own vehicle being stolen. And, and what that tells us is that there's a bit of a uh, false sense of security um, you know, among, among Ontarians in that they think that it's going to happen in general, but not necessarily to themselves or in their community. And, and that's a problem because we want everybody to be as vigilant as possible um, uh, in, in keeping their car safe wherever and whenever they go out. And are we, t- are we talking auto theft? Could that be just from a parking lot? We hear so much, too, about carjackings, or is, the, is it this specific to uh, you know, a certain category, so to speak? It, it really encompasses everything. You know, a lot of what our, our recommendations ha- have been focused on in this case is really about keeping your car safe. You know, when you're on the road and, and doing your daily commute, but also you know in your residence and uh, really tailoring your safety measures based on your, uh, your your personal structure. So if you have a garage, um, using that to, to to the full full availability, but also having visual deterrence as well to try and make sure that your vehicle um, is is less as a, as a less attractive as possible uh, for thieves to take. Now, it says 82% of drivers are insuring their vehicle, though it's always locked, but not a lot of people are using steering wheel lock or the Faraday box to block the transmission. Is that an added sense of security? Is every vehicle equipped? Most people are, are taking the, the traditional steps of keeping their vehicles locked and, and, and making sure that valuables are, are not in sight, and, that, and that's a good start. But really, it's not enough anymore because, again, given given the rise of, of thefts and how frequent it's happening in Ontario, we want to encourage people to take those steps. So if you, if you um, have a garage, obviously use that. If you could put cameras or better lighting outside, even better. But having um, you know a Faraday box, which would block the radio frequency signals from your key fob, but even using a steering wheel lock like the club and having those on your cars, um, only about 6 to 8% of Ontarians are doing that right now. Those are added protection measures that can that can make the difference between your car being stolen and being left behind. And really what we want people to do is, is think about those types of options and 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 consider that because um, you know again these, these are these are situations where you don't want to wake up in the morning and find your car is gone and spending a little bit of money, a few dollars on, on some of these tools could yield big rewards. I find it interesting that Ontarians are concerned about auto theft increasingly, but um, that false sense of security not acting on it to to protect their vehicle to protect protect themselves speculating here is it a possibility because it's like well i don't drive a high-end pickup truck i don't drive a high-end vehicle and it doesn't apply to me and that is part of the challenge is that we see sometimes that there's so much focus on the high-end vehicles the top 10 list that is often published about the most stolen vehicles but just because it is the most stolen it doesn't mean it is the only vehicle stolen and you don't want to fall into the situation where your car um, is at risk so i think people see that list they say okay you know what i'm not on that list this year i may not have been on the list last year i'm okay but that that that's where the false sense of security comes into play so if you are leaving your car idle and you're running into a store those are automatic things that you need to change behaviors of. But but people need to understand this can happen in a split second more and more. And, you know, again, taking these little measures and changing behaviors, changing some of the styles that you're doing could yield big rewards for you. And, and that's where, again, people think that it'll happen to somebody else. It may happen to their neighbor. Um, but you don't want to be the one having that conversation saying it happened to you. And finally, too, Elliot, the report says from 2014 to 2021, 72% increase in auto theft across the province. Any read on why there has been such a spike? Is that thieves are just getting smarter? So it, it's more a situation that the, the time to, at the time needed to access the vehicles is happening, is, is taking a lot less. So what we're seeing now with the, the introduction of push-button starts and more technology in the vehicles, some of these thieves are getting access to these cars in, in a matter of seconds. 
and and that's significant because you know it used to take many minutes to try and get access to the car and get it moving. It's happening with such frequency, and because a lot of these these efforts are coordinated and they're organized, um, you know they're they're targeting certain types of vehicles, certain communities, and you know they're 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 being relatively successful. So the more that we can take the steps to make it less visually attractive, the more that we can do to keep ourselves protected, the more likely we're going to try and resolve these issues in the short term. While we also want to see greater strength and stronger protections in our vehicles through vehicle manufacturers down the road. And is that something that uh, manufacturers are looking at, that there's an onus on a number of players here? Well, this is really a shared responsibility. We've seen some great movement from the police over the last number of months. They've had about $50 million invested into working on this issue. Um, a lot of organizations like CAA are at the table as well talking about the issue. Uh, manufacturers are aware, and, they, and you know, certainly the conversations are ongoing. But, again, this, this is a, a, a longer-term process because manufacturing uh, changes do take time. But that certainly doesn't mean that they, uh, they're not part of the conversation. They do need to be because we want to make sure that all cars, regardless of the year maker model is as safe as possible for when we're on our roads. And again, I guess it's a mishmash too of uh, who's taking these vehicles, anything from just, you know, the average thief, so to speak, to organized crime. It's it's a mixture of both, and we we will always have those those crimes of opportunity where somebody's trying to get a, a access to any vehicle they can as fast as they can. But the fact there's greater coordination, and a lot of these vehicles are being packaged up and, and shipped out to uh, other other countries. We're seeing that organized structure, and seeing a lot of these vehicles ending up in various ports. And that's what we want to stop. We want to we want to cut off the issue at the at the origin where we make, make the car safer. We also want to cut it off at the at the exit points where we want to make sure that the uh, the vehicles are not being put. In shipping containers and being shipped overseas to other countries. Again, no guarantees, but it seems the harder you make it for a car thief, the more likely you'll find your car where you left it. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and Rachel for their efforts and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, Barry360.com. Also, our daily Kickstart podcast is available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.